What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. Trade talks are expected to pick up with the NBA's G League showcase a couple of weeks away as teams start to identify themselves as buyers or sellers across the league. So with that in mind, on today's episode, our HoopsHype salary cap expert and my good friend Yossi Goslin joins me to break down the top trade candidates who are eligible to be traded starting December 15th. Yossi, I wanted to get your thoughts right off the bat on who you think could be maybe the biggest name that gets traded um, coming up here, That at least that they're eligible starting December 15th. Yeah, Mike. So, and before I get into that, just a reminder to everyone, December 15th, considered the unofficial start of trade season. And that's mainly because a lot of these guys that we're about to describe, they were free agents uh, this past off season, and they're all going to be uh, trade eligible starting on December 15th. So this list doesn't necessarily mean that we see these guys getting traded, just rather we could see their eligibility potentially influencing the market. And I, and, you know, we'll, we'll touch on, uh, we'll do the January 15th pod next month. I think there's a lot more interesting guys uh, that become trade eligible next month, but let's get off to it. I suppose the biggest name I'm keeping an eye on would be John Wall of the Clippers. Uh, And I would just keep an eye on him because I, out of all the guys making like, you know, decent money on that team that has like a decent tradable salary, he seems like the most expendable to me. Uh, even though a guy like Robert Covington, for example, he might be out of the rotation when the team is fully healthy. I still see the Clippers keeping players of his type uh, as insurance just because of what they're trying to do in the playoffs. Uh, and while he's brought an element of transition and running that the Clippers haven't had in a while, he gets the line a lot. And he's been fine in limited minutes, but the t- there's his 27% from three that could potentially be an issue what they're for what they're trying to accomplish in the playoffs. Uh, so I just feel like if they think they can do better at backup point guard, maybe that's where they can tr- look to move off him and his six point five million salary six point five million salary to get that guy. So yeah, just just one uh, just a name I would keep an eye on. Certainly a big name at that. Um, the the Clippers have been rumored to be in the market for. A big man, and and they were linked to Miles Turner, uh, but I don't see that happening currently, given how well Indiana has played. And Avika Zubac is averaging a double double right now. Um, he certainly has responded to those uh, trade rumors. Um, you know, Yossi, some executives I've spoken to wonder if Turner will be as available as he was in the past, given Indiana's hot start. Time will tell on that. Uh, you mentioned John Walt. Point guard is a position the Clippers could potentially look to upgrade. Uh, you know, Wall's salary at that kind of taxpayer mid-level exception range makes him a potential trade ship. But I think the Clippers would need to feel like it's a notable upgrade at any position uh, to make a move that that would involve Wall or anyone. Uh, to my understanding, the Clippers believe they're a championship contender with this roster and a healthy Keyword healthy, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, but with that in mind, it, uh, is there another guard out there, maybe in the West, that you're looking at uh, who could also be a guy that 
gets moved after that December 15th eligibility date. So one other guy that I've all, I've kept my eye on pretty much as soon as the contract got signed, uh, Colin Sexton with Utah. And I think this is definitely someone I'll always be keeping an eye on for a potential trade candidate. Uh, just knowing how Danny Ainge operates, I, I feel like I think that is a great contract they signed him to. So while they, I'm sure they view him as a potential contributor for the next great Jazz team, I also feel like that with that contract, even if he projects to be to top out as a high end backup, which is like his current role right now, I still think that would he's you can look at him right now as a as a potential great. Uh, acid flip in the future if the right deal comes along. Uh, so there's no rush to move him right now. They're still playing pretty well. Uh, and I, I think that will come down a bit more, but uh, just another guy that I can see once he becomes available, maybe we'll uh, some teams will start asking around more for him. I've certainly enjoyed the Danny Ainge memes with Will Hardy, uh, where Ainge is in the background on Twitter. <laughs> I'm <laughs> in the t- like court side. He's like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like, this isn't part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the, the the running joke was always that the Utah Jazz would replace one Frenchman and Woody and uh, Rudy Gobert with another in, in Victor Wembanyama. But uh, look, at, at the same time, this Utah Jazz roster wasn't, fully built as a tanking roster. Um, you know, Ainge wanted to give Will Hardy at least an opportunity to have a group of guys he could work with and and develop a culture there, certainly, especially as a first-year head coach. It's very important. In regards to Utah, I've heard Utah has been impressed with Larry Markinen. Uh, it would take a lot for Utah to trade him. Utah also wants to extend Jordan Clarkson, who owner Ryan Smith likes a lot. Uh, the rest of that roster is expendable, in, including Colin Sexton, as you mentioned, uh, especially with Utah come, coming back down to earth following the team's hot start. Um, you know, I I think certainly around the league, Utah and Indiana, as, as I kind of touched on with Miles Turner earlier, two teams that have, uh, in a way, kind of screwed up the trade market a little bit because they've gotten off to such good starts. But uh, the pendulum should swing back uh, the other way. And, you know, I, I think, look, when it comes to those teams, uh, they were two of the top teams that a lot of people had an eye on. We'll see close to the G League showcase into the new year if they can sustain um, their hot starts. But those are teams that have exceeded expectations. Uh, one team right now that I think has somewhat, I don't know if it's underwhelmed or disappointed a little bit, but given how far the Dallas Mavericks went last year, um, you know, some people thought that they would be back on that level, but obviously a big deterrent to that has been the loss of Jalen Brunson. And, you know, they bring in Christian Wood and they bring in JaVale McGee. Now, when Dallas offered JaVale McGee his contract and his starting spot in free agency, the Mavericks had high hopes for him, but his production hasn't materialized and uh, he's been out of the rotation of late. If Dallas is going to make a move to acquire another center or a big man, that player would have to be an upgrade defensively and a bit of a contrast to Christian Wood, um, I've heard. 
I mean, Yossi, when you look at JaVale McGee, to me, to me he's a guy that uh, is no question a trade candidate. I'm curious your thoughts on him out in Dallas. I agree. I actually wrote about him a couple of weeks ago. I wrote something on Hoops Hype about players that aren't in the rotation uh, and that sh- should be available in trades. I mentioned JaVale McGee. Uh, he started. He went from startings uh, at center for the team to out of the rotation. Very like if you look at the game long, just the minutes kept going down and down, like very incrementally. And now Dwight Powell is back in favor. Uh, and JaVale has got two years left on his deal, including a player option on the third year, uh, on the last year. Um, you know, he's had a really nice second half resurgence in his career, but a big part of his value has been the the short-term deals he was on. And it'll be tough for Dallas to move uh, him at year 15 in his career with all that money left over. I don't know, Dallas just has, they have a lot of like just undesirable contracts on their books and to answer what you were asking, like, you know, or the, it, yeah, it's weird to say, are the Mavericks underachieving or underwhelming? Maybe they just overachieved last season. You know, everyone got hot. They had Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, losing him was bad. And they also caught the jazz in a very bad time. And they also caught the suns at a very bad time for them. They had that meltdown in game seven. So, um, you know, now that we're seeing the team kind of, uh, I don't know if for lack of a better term, fall back down to earth. Uh, maybe they just weren't as good. Uh, like the roster as a whole wasn't as good as it was last year. So um, as, as what they produced last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. It's going to be tough to, it's going to be very, it's going to be, unless they're going to really start to shell out those draft picks uh, for someone. I just don't know who that would be. Well, time will tell on that. I mean, I think when you talk about to another team that has underwhelmed a little bit compared to last year, I think you got to look at the Miami Heat, Yossi. Um, uh, you know, Miami's had interest in trading for Suns forward Jay Crowder. Um, moving Caleb Martin theoretically would work financially, and Miami has enough shooting in Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. Tyler Hero and Gabe Vincent, where where the Heat could withstand losing Martin. The question is if, he, if Phoenix, excuse me, would want to take on additional salary in the years to come. I, I've heard from some executives that Phoenix doesn't want to take on much additional salary, if at all, ideally, if Crowder is moved and they'd like a power forward back. On paper, I don't think it's the worst fit. You know, if, if Miami wanted to try to go get Jay Crowder or another four, um, at least the possibility of moving Caleb Martin, uh, what do you think? I think that's something that can make a lot of sense for both teams. Uh, Crowder, you know, we remember he was really good for the Heat in the bubble, shooting lights out, and uh, they let him go. Or, I mean, I don't. I guess uh, I forgot what they were trying to do in that off season, but they couldn't really fit him in. Um, and uh, they, the, the sun just, they need someone to replace the Crowder zero minutes. And obviously Cam Johnson's injured right now. Uh, I'm sure that everyone's been kind of figuring out how, okay, how can we bring Jay Crowder to the heat? That just seems like such a good fit. Uh, yeah. I mean, Caleb Martin's one way they can do it. Um, maybe, there's all well, the depots eligible next month, but uh, as far as what Phoenix needs, they definitely need another wing 
uh, especially with Crowder and Johnson not playing. They just need to get somebody in. Uh, that, that definitely is like a very uh, fair trade of very hard to come by those nowadays. You know, I got to say real quick, you'll see it's, it's so ironic to me how, you know, Jay Crowder's whole thing was being upset that his starting spot was given to Cam Johnson without really a fight going into camp. I get that. But in hindsight, and, and even, even if he wasn't starting, Jay would have had a prominent role on the Suns team, let alone now with Cam going down, he would have been starting on a championship contender. Um, and he hasn't played at all yet. Uh, yeah. Tough Maybe way to, uh, to manage. Going on. Uh, to me, that's just not the way you do it in a contract year. Um, and, you know, look, Miami's a team that they're looking to, to try to upgrade and get back to where they were. In a way, you look at the Chicago Bulls, for example, and they're another team that's taken a step back compared to last year. And, Yossi, Many NBA executives I've spoken to around the league are closely monitoring the Bulls since they've underwhelmed so far, and Lonzo Ball's health is is a major question mark. Uh, there's a lot of interest in DeMar DeRozan across the league. Um, Nikola Vucevic is a name that I believe is going to pop up in trade rumors. Um, I don't know how much value though he has his his value since coming to Chicago has gone down comparatively to when he was with the magic and Chicago made that blockbuster trade to get him um obviously you know some teams will have interest in uh Zach Levine as well but I, ironically I think if the Bulls tried to move Levine some would have questions about how healthy his knee is um but with that in mind Yossi I think Two guys that are eligible to be traded after December 15th that come to mind for me on the Bulls that I'm looking at are Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond because, to me, both guys, veteran guys who can help a playoff team if it's looking to make an upgrade for depth. Um, To me, those are two names on the Bulls given their current situation I'm looking at um, as trade candidates that are eligible after December 15th. 100% 100% agreed. Uh, both guys, Dragic on a minimum deal, Drummond on a borderline minimum deal. Shouldn't be hard to move either if the Bulls decide to go into another direction. Uh, Dragic maybe, you know, he was uh, he hit the buyout market last offseason. If no deal materialized for him, uh, maybe the same thing happens. And, you know, to some of the, uh, what you were talking about, the other guys, uh, Damar and Vooch, already trade eligible. Yeah, I'll definitely be monitoring the Bulls. I feel like their next 10 games or so will be crucial. It could really dictate the direction they're going. As of this recording, they're 9 and 14, so not good. They're not even, I think they're like 12th place, so not even uh, in the plane, like 11th or 12th. So I am, sh- you know, and I'm already hearing it in. I'm seeing on Twitter, on other podcasts, people already speculating what Damar and Vooch trades. And yeah, I'm sure that they'll probably be available uh, or at least the Bulls will will listen to offers on them if they continue to trend downward. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, Uh, especially if they end up getting a pretty solid uh, package, especially for Damar. If he's still playing, he was all NBA last year. He's still playing at a similar level. You can get a lot from him now. Why not? And the only thing was Vooch. Yeah, they they bought him at his absolute peak. 
Uh, and they're probably, that might be a bit of a sunk cost. Uh, it's just that I can't really identify a team that would, it's hard, it's very hard for me. I've gone through it. I don't really can't identify any teams that make too much, like the most sense for him. So uh, yeah, I'll just, they're going to be, I think the most interesting one, if not the one of the most, if not the most interesting team uh, come trade deadline. The other thing that surprised me with Chicago was the timing of the report of the Billy Donovan extension that was done a while back. Evidently that does to me, the timing of that was interesting because Chicago has been underwhelming and, and that gets out there at that time. What was the reasoning behind that? You know, was it to kind of quell some things there? Is there anything internally going on? Those are just some things I pondered. And, um, you know, it's ironic. I mean, you look at the Bulls um, with with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, If there's one team you can bank on DeMar DeRozan getting linked to, it's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers have a bunch of guys that are trade eligible after December 15th. You got Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, Damian Jones, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Lonnie Walker. Um, Yossi, I'm I'm curious from your standpoint when you look at those guys, because from what I've heard, after waving Matt Ryan, some executives are wondering if the Lakers will look to make a roster upgrade around the edges, given Russell Westbrook's production off the bench for the team. And and they've been hot lately over their past uh, 10 games or so. The timing of the Matt Ryan waving definitely will get people wondering if something's uh, on the horizon. Uh, but it feels like a Westbrook trade's been on the horizon for almost a year now, and nothing has come. So I'm I'm just not really expecting. Like I, I'm sure they'll do something. I'm just done expecting them because it, it never uh, when I expect it to happen never seems to happen. But all these guys you mentioned. Uh, uh, particularly the ones out of the rotation. So Damian Jones, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, just a couple of guys. I'm sure they'll just naturally be available. Maybe Lakers can uh, offload them to have some uh, luxury tax relief, or they could be included as uh, add-ons in case they need to add more salaries for a potential Westbrook or Pat Beverly trade. Um, so, they're they're all trade uh, all these guys trade eligible now, um, and yeah, I'll just be keeping an eye on what they're. I, I think they're going to do something pretty soon, especially after they got hot uh, these past ten games. Uh, the way Anthony Davis is playing definitely might give them some confidence to finally make that aggressive trade involving their first round picks. Um, yeah, uh, Demar would be very interesting. I. You know, I'm trying to, I'm counting, I'm doing a list like who are like the top 30 players or 40 players in the league that impact winning. And DeMar's still at that level. So if they can bring him in, um, I don't know if I would do both first round picks for him personally, but uh, that would, it was a, something that apparently was on the table last off season and they went in the Westbrook direction. So maybe they'll have an opportunity to correct that. Uh, that would be very interesting if they can pull that off. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these guys that we've talked about, we've got some bigger names, some bigger teams and markets that could make trades, but um, there's some smaller guys. And when I say smaller, there's some guys that are maybe more bench guys or rotation players that 
also become trade eligible December 15th that I think we got to take a look at coming up. Um, you know, one guy that I think is interesting is Washington Wizards guard DeLon Wright. And I say this because, uh, first off, the, the Wizards hope to get DeLon Wright back in a couple of weeks, I'm told. Uh, Washington values him as a potential defensive stopper and a closer in games when he returns healthy. Overall, I don't necessarily see him being shot by any means, but he's a guy that has value around the league if Washington thinks uh, it can make a notable upgrade. He's a name I'm keeping an eye on, at least if if other teams around the league want to make an upgrade on some bench depth there. But I think there's going to be a guard, knowing you and the way you think, there's going to be somebody that you're going to throw to me that's a wild card that I wouldn't think of. Okay. Um, so one other guy, I and and uh, I didn't mention him in my out-of-rotation trade candidates, but one guy who's kind of on the fringes slash not really playing when fully healthy is Patty Mills. There it Brooklyn. is. There it yeah. is. Uh, would not now, have been on my radar. <laughs> so uh, I, I would say it's still kind of unlikely with – the Nets, there's, it seems like the organization is still, they still want to try to win uh, no matter how, uh, how, how stacked the odds are against them. Uh, also, he's got the, uh, if it seems like he's got a good connection with Sean Marks since days back in San Antonio. Um, so Mills, his role declined in Brooklyn recently uh, with Kyrie finally playing all the games. Uh, Simmons there. Seth Curry's there, uh, even uh, and then even Ed- Edmund Sumner has been ahead of him in the rotation a lot of the time. Uh, so he's got another year left on his deal. So you know if they decide that he, they want to uh, go in a different direction, or even if they just decide maybe we don't need this money uh, for next year, uh, I could see them. Out of all the guys we talked about, maybe I can actually see him getting moved the most. Uh, well, just one deal that kind of makes sense to me, maybe something like Patty Mills for Kendrick Nunn, just so they get the expiring contract of Nunn, but just like another, but then he kind of makes more sense as a third string uh, guy that you just uh, keep on ice until you need him versus Patty. I think uh, you could probably pay play for some, uh, some other teams. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, uh-huh. nice. I don't know, mate. I, oh no, Patty Mills. Patty Mills, a member of the culture, mate. I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I don't see Patty Mills being uh, moved due to his connection with Ben Simmons and uh, as a mentor and a friend, um, along with his ties to Sean Marks. He's a culture guy, you know. And I'm going to do this whole um, bit in the Sean Marks voice. I think, um, you know, uh, yeah. Well, yeah our, our first big disagreement there. I think, uh, you know, might, I, I, I think that's, um, it's a bit of scallywag thinking, you know, I just, I, I can't see it. Um, but <laughs> I mean, to me, Yossi, like, you know, what's funny, I, Yossi, I'll tell you a joke though. Somebody joked to me half seriously at Barclays at a recent home game that when Patty Mills retires, he could easily work for the Nets due to his relationships with, uh, Sean Marks, but, Apparently he's got a decent relationship with Joe Sy as well. So something to monitor there. Um, to me, to, to me, that's why I just, I don't think ultimately he's going to get moved. Even if he's out of the rotation, um, you know, 
sometimes Cam Thomas plays. Sometimes Cam Thomas is in the witness protection program. You don't always know what you're going to get out of that kind of backup two spot there with the Nets with Patty, but we'll see. Now, Yossi, you kind of mentioned Patty Mills as a guy that, you know, maybe around the edges the Brooklyn Nets look to kind of tinker with. I pers- I, I'm not sure on that just because, like I said, with the culture and everything. But I will tell you a team that I do think could make a move around the edges, and it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, and the reason I say that is because Minnesota is reluctant to move Jaden McDaniels. And so the only real pathway to a trade is moving D'Angelo Russell's expiring contract or a move around the edges where you look to flip Kyle Anderson or Bryn Forbes um, for some type of a bench upgrade there. Any thoughts on that one? Generally speaking, I am not seeing any type of deal for the Wolves this, uh, this season. After trading all their picks for Rudy Gobert, they're pretty, they're, you know, they're kind of stuck, I guess, with what they have. Uh, and I think they're they're going to end up playing better than the way they've started. They've already played a little better. Obviously, the cat injury does not help. But they can only make very, to me, it seems like they can only make very simple moves, uh, whether it's moving a guy like Rin Forbes just to swap him out for someone uh, you know, I, just, just like small moves, like with small salaries is what I mean. Um, it's going to be hard for them to make any significant upgrades with the, with their lack of, uh, uh, movable assets right now. Interesting. Um, I would say then that, you know, you talk about them as like, maybe not making a move, but what about some big men out there? Is there anybody out there, big men wise, that that's a bench guy that that you could see maybe making sense uh, that's movable after December fifteenth? So, somewhat also of a hotter uh, take, I guess. But I'm keeping uh, I'm keeping an eye on Isaiah Hardenstein with the Knicks, uh, just because if you know they're not, it doesn't seem like they are where they want to be record wise or performance wise. And if they don't get consistent, maybe they decide to uh, trade some of their some of their vets. Uh, and he, he's got one of the more uh, movable team friendly contracts that uh, can easily be moved. And uh, he's a guy that could plug in with many teams. So just something I'd keep an eye on if they ever decide to make somewhat of a take somewhat of a step back. I think they could get a pretty uh, decent return for him if they traded him now. I'll say this. Jericho Sims has fans in New York's front office and his play stylistically mirrors Mitchell Robinson more than Hartenstein, who's a stretch big man who can pass. I think for New York, they have to win, uh, given where they're at in their kind of rebuild process. And after getting Jalen Brunson, they didn't build this team to tank. Um, so that's my sense there on the flip side, one team who I would consider more of a seller closer to the deadline would be the Oklahoma city thunder. And I'm looking at Mike Muscala because in free agency, Mike Muscala drew interest from about 10 teams across the league. And if a team is looking for a backup stretch five for a playoff run, Muscala could appeal to teams. I mean, Spurs big man Gorgie Jang is also a trade candidate for um, similar reasons. Not as much of a stretch big man, but more so that uh, if you're looking for a veteran backup, 
uh, on a team that's kind of rebuilding. Obviously, San Antonio is that. I mean, they're sinking like the the Titanic in the ocean right now to get Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, him definitely. It seems like the Spurs might be prioritizing some of their younger big men. Like I saw the other night, Bat Charles Bassey got a little more minutes than Gorgie Jang. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Muscala, we'll see. It seems like if the right offer comes along, they'll take it. But they seems to be uh, like their veteran leader. They all like him here. He like seems to like to be there. So I could also see him sticking around. I'm not sure they get some offer where they, they get blown away. Uh, I'll, I want to touch on one candidate that I think is, you know, pretty obvious that he'll become trade eligible on the 15th. And that is Danilo Gallinari. So Gallinari signed by the Celtics during the offseason for the MLE, uh, then tore his ACL and unlikely to play this year. And who, you know, it's tough to say how he'll look when he comes back. Uh, I believe this would have been his, this would have been his age 15 season. So it's going to, you know, it's not a good track record for guys that old coming back from lower leg injuries that severe. Uh, so Celtics, they're all, they're the best team in the league right now. They're on pace to have one of the the greatest offense in NBA history, if this all holds up and they're already pretty loaded, but uh, they'll all, they'll still be looking around to see how, what else they can do to to strengthen the roster. They still have several trade exceptions available, but they also have a pretty big luxury tax bill, about sixty six million. So trading Gallinari for an equal salaried player seems it would be the most cost effective way for them to strengthen the roster even more. Uh, they can take back up to eight point two million just for him in a trade. Uh, so if there is somebody that's in the 10 million range or so, maybe they can uh, attach one of their minimum salaried guys with him to get a higher price guy if needed. Uh, and one other thing, uh, last off uh, last trade deadline, I remember they were pretty aggressive uh, getting uh, offloading several players that weren't in the rotation to save money and ultimately help them duck the tax. Uh, obviously they're not going to duck the tax this year, but I could see them maybe looking to offload some of their guys uh, like Blake Griffin, Noah Vonley, Justin Jackson, some of their end of uh, roster guys that aren't really in the rotation. Uh, they're not guaranteed, but if they want to get off their, what they're owed completely would have to be via trade. So just another thing I would look forward to of uh, guys that become eligible to be traded on December 15th. Uh, I can see the Celtics getting a little busier than uh, you might expect. Anyone else come to mind before we head on out of here? Um, the only other guy I would keep an eye on is Joe Ingles with the Bucks. He's he's uh, we're still waiting on his return, and Joe Ingles uh, had a bit of a down year last year, right before his uh, he suffered his ACL injury. And the Bucks made a big bet on him with uh, giving him their taxpayer mid-level. So if he uh, doesn't come back playing at a level they need him to, and and, and I don't even know if, uh, you know, I don't know when his timeline is supposed to be. Maybe I'm guessing he's going to come back before the trade deadline. Uh, maybe you can correct me on that. But uh, just he's got a $6.5 million salary. And if the Bucks do want to bring in somebody uh, you know, with a pretty significant salary, they can combine him with maybe Grayson Allen's 8.5 and 
uh, George Hill's four million. Maybe they can combine that to get someone in the like making a pretty good amount of money that can be a difference maker. Um, but yeah, that's the only other guy I guess I'd keep an eye on. Well, it sounds good to me, Yossi. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of names we're going to keep an eye on. Certainly, we touched on plenty now. I appreciate you joining me, my man. Thanks, as always, for coming on. Anytime, man. Tis the season. I'm sure we're going to do a lot more of these. rub a pum pum And <laughs> I also... <laughs> I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Yossi Goslin, my colleague, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Hey.